This morning we've got David Hilliard, who is from Compassion Australia. So I'm sure he'll give you a bit of background about himself. And um, it's just going to be a pleasure to hear him. I know, like just talking with him the other day, I can just see that his love for the kingdom is just amazing. So um, I'm just expecting an amazing word this morning that'll just touch our hearts. (laughs) Um, No doubt about that. And then next week we've also got another guest speaker um, who will be the one... Uh, Brandon Chaplin, who will be speaking at the Bunt Conference as well. So it's going to be really good, and I'd just like to wake, welcome David up and, uh, yeah, get him going. <laughs> just pray for him. Yeah. No worries. Let's pray for you. Father, I just thank you for David now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that you would just fill him with your spirit with that overflowing river, Lord God of life. In Jesus' name, I just pray that his words would just speak deeply to us, Father God. Expose those things in our life that need exposing to draw them to your light, Father, that we might be changed from glory to glory into the image of your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. I'm all switched on? Yeah, great. Uh, For the people at the back, yes, I am standing up. Well, God's good, and the Spirit of God is here, whether we feel Him or not, He is here, because the Word says, where two or more are gathered, there I am in the midst. Well, my name's David Helliard, and my beautiful wife, Carol, just stand up, Carol, and let everybody see you. Yeah, give her a hand. Yeah. And uh, we're here on behalf of the Kingdom of God, and... Uh, Just recently, I took up uh, the leadership role of Compassion um, in South Australia and the Northern Territory. So uh, I'll be coming up to Darwin as often as I can to um, come and bring the message for the children of Compassion. Um, I'm about to show you a uh, three or four minute DVD of uh, a um, Compassion person, a woman who was brought up as a little child in the Compassion Program, and um, she's got her testimony today. She's from Kenya, and it was only uh, three, four weeks ago that uh, I was in Kenya and uh, observing and being part of the Compassion Program there. So maybe we'll show the DVD and then I'll continue. Thank you. When I consider my life, I look at myself as a miracle. How are you? Because I came from a situation where I could not believe I can be able to to become this person that I am today, that I can be able to become better, that I can be able to say that I've been released from poverty. And in comparison to that life and this life that I live today, these are totally different things. Where I come from and the the history and the experience that people have. I'm one of those girls who would be counted as having dropped out of school, either through getting pregnant, getting into drugs, or getting married. That is common. And everyone believes that I'm going to be that. I'm going to be that statistic. But I did not turn up that way. In the slums, this is where most people abuse drugs. Uh, most people have dropped out of school and they are frustrated with life. And so anything can happen. You're vulnerable in so many ways. 
people tell you, okay, do not try to, to tell us how different you are. We know you're just from the slums. You're just like one of us. Why do you want to pretend that you can be different? Poverty is not just lack of food, shelter, or clothing. It's what is inside you. When you're poor, when you go to bed hungry, when you have no proper shelter, all you can think about is fulfilling these needs today and now. You are shattered. You don't see any bright future. You have no faith of things becoming better. Deep down, uh, in your mind and in, in your heart, you've lost all hope. For me, sponsorship changed everything. I got to understand that I don't have to be just like everybody else around me. I can be different. I can get myself out of this situation because God is with me and I have someone who believes in me. Compassion actually allows two people to connect and have a journey together. You bring hope in someone's life. And this, is, this hope is what is able to carry them to the next day. And just by lighting that spark in someone's life, you stir their hearts to become greater than they even knew. And it's my, my sponsor and the fact that I got into the program that brought this hope. We've kept that relationship. We've worked together. Yes, I got to go to school. I got school uniforms. I got food. But above all, I had that one person who believed in me. That one person who told me that I know you are beautiful and I know that God has a plan for you and I know you are going to achieve so much. I look at you and I'm very proud of you and I'm, I'm very grateful and I'm glad that I made this decision because I've seen that compassion works. There are so many children who can actually be saved from poverty. Children who are living in risks. Children who are living in the slums. Children who have parents who cannot provide food or give them a good place to sleep. They cannot be able to have clean water. They cannot be able to go to school. Thousands and thousands and thousands of children are living under these conditions. This is all I know, that you can love even the least of all. You can appreciate them. You can be there with, for them. You can stand with them. And this is what compassion does. It brings hope. The hope through Jesus Christ is what makes everything possible. Sometimes they just need someone to tell them things are going to be better. Just hold on. There's change coming. Always uh, affects me when I see that. Um, as I said, I was there three weeks ago in uh, that actual slum. I um, sponsor a young boy there. His name's Wycliffe. What a great name. And uh, I went to the program. In fact, I went to five programs, but then I had 15 home visits where I go back to where they live. And um, it was very distressing to see the world that they live in. I went to um, his place of, well, where he lives and sleeps, and uh, I opened the door, which was very similar to 
the one that you saw with the field officer there. And as I stepped inside, the uh, living room was probably a meter wide by about three meters long, and that was it. Then there was a sheet where there was a double bed, not a, a double mattress, I should say, not a king size or a queen size mattress, a double one, where his mum and three siblings slept. So the four of them slept in that one place. But even though it was very distressing, it was also very beautiful because God was there. And um, compassion uh, are a Christ-centered, child-focused, and church-based movement and organization where we facilitate programs that clothe, feed, and uh, educate, but also bring the gospel to uh, those young lives. At present, uh, Compassion are sponsoring 1.8 million children around the world in 26 nations, which is a tremendous effort. However, there are, according to the United Nations, approximately 400,000, uh, sorry, 400 million children who are living in poverty. So we're, we're not even 1% yet, and our intention is to get to 4 million so that we can see lives changed. Um, it's not just the child's life that's changed, but it's also the family, which in turn affects the community. And the thing that drew me to compassion was the fact that they are Christ-centered. A number of years ago, they uh, got some uh, researchers in to help them with their... Um, processes and their structures, and um, these whiz kids said, uh, your processes and structures are pretty good, but what you need to do is drop the Christ, because um, you'll broaden your market, and you'll be able to sponsor more children. And so for Compassion, that was a watershed moment, because they made a decision that says, we will not drop the Christ, we are Christ-centered, we are child-focused, and we are church-based. In every nation that uh, Compassion operate in, they operate through the local church. That's our running race. That's our lane that we are in, that we work through the local church. So that program that you saw there was run by the local church, and um, lives are being changed. Last year, um, the statistic that came through was 120,000 children had given their lives to Christ. And um, we're just very thankful of what God is doing. But the need is great. And the heart of God is for the poor. In Matthew 25, it tells us when Jesus is speaking to the disciples, he said, when I was hungry, you came and fed me. When I was thirsty, you came and gave me a drink. When I needed shelter, you covered me. When did we do this, Lord? When you did it to the least of one of these, and he was pointing to children. God has a heart for the poor. God has a heart for the foreigner. In Deuteronomy 10 and 15, he tells Israel, you once were foreigners, and so take in the foreigner. Love the foreigner, because we can argue and say, well, we've got lots of needs in our own nation, and we do. But God also calls us to go, to go beyond our own borders and to reach out to the foreigner, to reach out to the child, to reach out and help. And uh, God's heart 
is, uh, is for these children. And I'm just so thankful, and I know that there's people here who are sponsors of children. God bless you in what you're doing. You are changing lives. Um, Carol and I sponsor this young man and other children, but we pay $48 a month, which is an amount, but it's not a huge amount, but it changes a life, a family, and a community. So uh, after the meeting, we've got a table at the back, and we'd love to talk to you and show you the children. If you look at the children, you'll fall in love with them, and uh, they need our help. And uh, what Compassion does is facilitate us living here to connect with overseas and advance God's kingdom by feeding the poor, by giving water to the thirsty, by giving education, and more importantly, that we speak to them and tell them that they are valuable, that God loves them, and that they have a purpose in life. Amen? Okay. Well, I um, want to bring a word to you this morning to uh, encourage you, and um, it's an interesting journey, isn't it? Life. It's you get, as you get older, things change. Things fall out. Um, I, I think that um, we as believers, as you come this morning, we come to worship God. We come to have fellowship with one another. But as important, more than we realize we come to a church service like this to have our belief system affected. Come on, church. Our belief system takes us on our journey of life to our purpose and our destiny. And, and the reason that we preach the Word of God, we teach the Word of God, is to affect our belief system. Your belief system is that invisible thing that's inside of us that for many people, the belief systems go one way and then the other because everybody believes something. Um, if you don't believe in God, well, that's a belief. And um, we are here this morning to um, be affected by the Word of God. It's how Jesus taught people and affected their belief systems by revealing the Word of God. And so uh, as we come this morning, um, it's to have our belief system affected. So are you ready for your belief system to be affected? Yes. Amen. Well, uh, you know, uh, as I said, the, the journey of life is really um, uh, incredible. Um, some 30-odd years ago, whoops, nearly knocked my microphone off, um, I, um, Carol and I got... Um, saved. We were living the alternative lifestyle in uh, Tasmania. We built a mud brick house. While we were building the house, we lived in a tent, and um, we were on a journey of uh, lifestyle. And then uh, Jesus showed up, not literally, but um, we heard the Word of God uh, from somebody who had credibility and um, we made a decision, or I made a decision first. Carol had thought I'd gone religious. 
and um, it changed my life. And what happened is that God affected me internally. And um, for us as believers, it's having clarity of what our identity is. Um, because what we're dealing with the invisible. God's invisible. Yeah, I mean, but we can see God in one another, but the reality is that we deal in the invisible, and uh, our spirit and our soul and our body are our identity, and it's understanding that. Um, in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, Now may the God of peace sanctify you wholly, spirit, soul, and body. And our belief system has got to have that clarity of what does that mean. You see, your spirit is your life force. It's the you. Once I die, my spirit and soul are going to leave this magnificent specimen, as you can see here. That wasn't funny. Um, and, and, And understanding that inside our spirit is our belief system. See, when God came into my life and into your life, He deposited something. He restored us back to Himself through the blood of Christ. But then there was a deposit that was made inside of us, and that deposit was faith, hope, and love. Um, So understanding our identity, firstly, understand this. God is not going to give you any more faith than what you've got now. You've got all the faith you need for a lifetime. Romans 12.3, it says to every person, think of yourself soberly and not above what you are, but God has deposited the measure of faith inside of all of us. Uh, get this, you've got all the love you're going to get. Because in Romans 5.5 5 it says, and the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart, my spirit, by the Holy Spirit. So for ladies and gentlemen that are struggling and say, give me more love for my neighbor or give me more love for the workmates or give me more love for, we won't go there, Um, you've got all the love you need. Come on, church. He's not going to give you any more. God goes, I've given you all you're going to get. The issue is to identify in our spirit uh, faith, hope, and love. And the hope that's in us is in First Colossians. It tells us, Christ in me, the hope of glory. So those spiritual forces of faith, hope, and love come together as a person that is God inside of me. Isn't that amazing? Have a look at the person next to you. That's where God hangs out. Go on, have a look at them. I think God's got a great sense of humor. <laughs> So, um, understanding our identity um, is critical for, you you see, you as the church, you are here in Harold Springs, is that correct? Howard, yes, Howard's his brother. Uh, Howard Springs, um, that you are here to affect the community of Howard Springs and beyond. That's why you're here. Otherwise, if you're not here for the purpose of advancing the kingdom of God, we should have altar calls where you come out the front, give your life to Christ, and then we kill you. (laughs) Why? Because you'll go to heaven and it's a lot better place there. No, God's left you here and you have breath in your lungs for a purpose. 
It, it, look, I'm glad you've got a lovely family, you've got a great career, you've got a nice house and a lovely car, and you're enjoying life, and that's good, and it's great. But that's not your primary purpose for being on the planet. You're on the planet for the advancement of God's kingdom. Otherwise, come out the front. Uh, Pastor Neil's got a rifle somewhere, and we can, we can fix things. It's a shotgun. We can fix that. Um, and so for us, and this is where I want to affect your belief system, because your belief system is inside of you. It comes from your spirit to head to your head. That's where the, the word speaks in Romans 12 about renewing your mind. See, the world will tell you everything opposite to what I'm telling you. It will say, you're here for yourself. You're here to have prosperity and good health. And they're good things. Don't misunderstand me. Um, but it's all about you. Well, actually, it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about the kingdom of God. When the disciples said to Jesus, teach us to pray, he said, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth just like it is in heaven. You see, you carry the kingdom of God inside of you because when you go back to when you got saved or you asked Christ into your life, there was a deposit of the kingdom of God inside of you called faith, hope, and love. We do not have a faith problem in the church. We have a word issue. You see... Faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, Romans ten seventeen. The way that faith is released in us is through the Word of God. I, I read my Bible so that God in heaven doesn't go, oh, good boy. I'm so pleased you're reading my Word, David. Good boy. That's what Christians do. We read the Bible. Now, I read it to stir up my faith. You see, that's what I want to do with this morning is stir up your faith because you've got the faith. Well, how much do I have? Well, Jesus said a mustard seed will move a mountain. So if we've got a bucket full, we'll do a lot of damage around the place. <laughs> but the way that that's released is through this. It's not about being a good Christian and that's what we're meant to do. I do it to find out about him, find out about me and find out about releasing faith in my life, releasing love. You know, Jesus really messed things up. He said, love God. I like that. God is easy to love. Anybody agree there? Come on, there's two of us. God's, God's easy. But then he went and spoiled it all by saying, and, what do you mean and? And love one another. That's where he blew it. Because, and don't make me feel alone here, loving people sometimes is difficult. Can anybody say amen? amen. Oh, gee, that was resounding. There's some power here today. Um, so it, it's really important for us to have clarity on, on why we do things and, and get back to our, our identity that you are spirit, soul, and body. Spirit and soul are different. A lot of time people put them together, the spirit and the soul. The heart of man contains the spirit and the soul. 
but they're different because it tells us in Hebrews 4 that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide asunder the joints and the marrow, which are very close, and the soul and the spirit. Uh, The spirit is me that I connect to God, spirit to spirit, because God is spirit. John 4, when Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, she says, where should we worship God? Should we worship him here in in, uh, Samaria or in Jerusalem? And Jesus said, neither. You worship God in spirit and truth because God is spirit. And you are spirit. That's why we're created in the image of God. It's not that God is bald and he's five foot six and looks like me. No, my spirit is the image of God. And let me tell you, all humanity are spirit, soul, and body, whether they're believers or not. Because they're all created in the image of God. So when we understand who we are, I am a, I am a spirit... I have a soul, and I live in one of these. You've got to have one of these to be on the planet. Even Jesus had to get one. You've got to have a body. Doesn't matter what size or shape it is, you need one of these to get around in. Because once this conks out, your spirit and your soul go. You'll be surprised how easy it is to die. You will be stepping into glory, as it's termed in the Word of God. Whatever glory is like. You're looking at me a bit strange here. (laughs) I want to affect your belief system. So uh, understanding your spirit, there's the container of your belief system where there's faith, hope, and love. Uh, and and, And the spirit wants to do the right thing. Uh, I I describe it like this. The the spirit is self-giving. My spirit wants to do the right thing. That's why it says in the Word, don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Um, My soul is what I call, you've got the Spirit which is self-giving, the soul is self-expression. You're seeing my soul at work now as I'm expressing myself through this body. That's my soul at work. Um, People who have a damaged soul find it difficult to express themselves. You all good? Uh, And and the body is, as I said, this magnificent specimen. It's taken me years, 39 years to get a body like this. (laughs) Thank you, Pastor Neil. Um. So uh, understanding that uh, who we are then helps us in our identity. Uh, our friend said earlier at communion that there's, there's no condemnation. When your self-esteem is low, that's not tr- that God doesn't see you that way. Uh, and, it, and it's understanding to see yourself right. And it may well be that you've got to have some renewing of your thinking to get that right. Because our heads at times are messed up. Our spirit's good. There's not a problem with your spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has done His work inside of us. I'm as good as gold on the inside. 
my problem is this. I've got to renew this, and, I, and I've got to know that my, my biggest challenge in life is me. Now, the devil gets blamed for a lot of stuff, and let me say this, he doesn't help. But my biggest problem is me. Come on. It, 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 it's the flesh. Every day I have to face the battles. And in some areas I've overcome and I'm, I'm victorious. And on others I'm battling. Come on, I'm being honest here. I understand my own brokenness. Come on, we're all broken. The Ten Commandments were given to reveal our brokenness. I do not live by the Ten Commandments. No, I don't. I'm not the, we're not called to live by the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are a mirror to reveal my sin. It tells us in Galatians, it is a tutor, it's a teacher to reveal brokenness in men and women. You're looking like you don't believe me. Let me show you. Um, God did ten. He could have done one, but he did ten. Um, if you've ever told a lie, put your hand up. So I'm preaching to a bunch of liars. <laughs> See, that's what the Ten Commandments does. It reveals our brokenness. That's why we need the Ten Commandments to look and it reflects back. And I need a Savior. Why? Because I'm broken. Come on. Uh, and, and so understanding my identity, it's okay to be able to say we're broken. However, I have been restored back to God and I am a new creation on the inside, and I'm being day by day taken from glory to glory, and that's the journey. But sometimes I fall. I'm, some, I'm glad somebody said, don't we all? I hope we, <laughs> we all recognize that. But in it, God in His grace, because we're living in the time of grace. We're not living in the time of judgment. We're living in the time of grace. Jesus came with grace and truth. We're living in grace now. Judgment is coming. Jesus is coming, and he'll bring judgment. But listen, your job and my job is not to judge. We're called to love. That's harder. <laughs> Judging's easy. It's easy to judge people. We're called to love. And so, understanding our identity, that here I am, I'm a spirit, I have a soul, self-expression, and I live in a body. And my body is self-serving. It tells me when it wants stuff. And, and that, for me, is part of my battle in life. Is working through the flesh, and I want to do what God wants me to do, not what my flesh wants me to do. Can anybody relate to this? Don't put your hand up. But getting back to those that are struggling with self-esteem, um, it's a renewing of your thinking. I worked in a um, rehab center uh, for quite a bit of last year. And um, it, I started to understand some of the workings of the brain. And with addictive people, they have damages in their brain. Um, the frontal lobal cortex here, that's where decisions are made. 
the amygdala that's at the side here is where the emotions are. And uh, what happens is the amygdala for addictive people becomes stronger than reason. So the reason of do not take that ice or that heroin or that whiskey because the effect of that will be a roll-on effect that will not only affect you but your family and your friends and it's very destructive. Reason is overcome by the amygdala. And often with depressive situations, there is that overwhelming feeling of I'm depressed and therefore I am depressive. No, you, you can, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not promoting um, um, drugs, but medicines can help adjust the brain pattern, the thought pattern. Um, but it's ultimately the true healing will come through understanding the Word of God and identifying that who I am in Christ. Not because I'm any good, it's because He is. I'm hopeless. But He is my strength. He is my guide. And, and let me say this. This is the Holy Spirit because Jesus and the Father are not on the planet. They're in heaven. There's the Father, and sat at the right hand of Father, God Almighty is Jesus. The Holy Spirit is on the planet to reveal the Father and the Son, but it's the Spirit of God that's here now in this time of grace. And I'm glad He's here. So I'm saying all of this to talk about... You said finish by four. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Um, I, I said all that because our job is to connect to our community and love them. Yes. We're not there to judge them. Don't, don't judge people. Whether their sexuality is, is not what you think should be or what I think should be or their behaviors in this way or that way, that's not our job. Our job in this 21st century, in my opinion, and I've been around for a few years, I know I look incredibly young, but I've been around a few years, and my observation in Western society, in Darwin, in Adelaide, working with the Australian public, you've got to read the world you're trying to connect to. Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. When you go fishing, you've got to know what you're fishing for. You're not going to go after a shark with a cockle. Come on, give me a bit of acknowledgement. I need the encouragement. Uh, you don't. But, but when you go fishing, you identify what you're fishing for, and then you go for it. Let me tell you this. 21st century Western Australian people are different to 1980s, 90s people. They're different. Sin's the same. That's not changed. But people's worldview today is different from back then. And we as the church cannot fish as though we're fishing for 1980s people. Come on, you're going quiet. It, it, and I'll tell you that what I believe is the bait. Um, 
to catch and connect with people. Do you want to hear it? All right, you four come with me and I'll tell you. (laughs) People today, it's not about their believing. 1980s was believe, 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 believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus. I, I got saved in 1980. I was nine. Or thereabouts. Um, I was told, come to Jesus. Uh, I, I heard my, my brother's testimony, and then I went along to church meetings, and they said, come to Jesus. Everything's going to be wonderful. Your life will be changed, and it's going to be fantastic. And you'll go to heaven, or you can go to hell. What's your choice? Hmm. I think I'll take heaven. Thanks very much. And so I came to Christ, and by God's grace, I was saved. And, but, but they didn't tell me that life still happens. Now, again, I don't want to feel alone here. You know, the ups and downs of life, um, they didn't prepare me for that. And so I bumped along, and praise God, here I am today, still preaching the Word of God and loving Jesus and wanting to see His kingdom advanced. But today, you cannot talk to 21st century people about believe, 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 believe. What they want is that they want to belong, 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 belong. Come on. People, 21st century people want to belong before they go on the journey of believe. You know, we'll say, Jesus will change your life. They'll say, well, so will Jamie Oliver. So will Biggest Loser. Master Chef will change my life. I'll get on Master Chef, it'll change my life. People, our job is to let people know that they belong. Genesis 1, 26, 27, and God created man. Let us make man in our own image. And he created them male and female in his image. People belong to God. Yeah, but they don't believe in all the the sexuality and their behavior. That's not my problem. We've got to understand what God wants us to do and what He doesn't want us to do and also what God does and what He doesn't do because there's some stuff God doesn't do. Try Him on your garden. Say, God, you fix my garden and sit back for the next six months and see what happens. He'll let it grow, but he ain't going to trim it because God doesn't do that. In the belonging message, that's our job. We've not been good at this in the church. Back in the 50s, as I've looked into history, and we could go back even further, but it was always a judgmental approach. And when you speak to even people today and say, why don't you come along to church with me on Sunday morning, their response will be, however they word it, but it will be along the lines of, I don't belong. That's not for me. I don't believe that. So, so there's a, in the world that God has put you, whether you are... A, factory worker, a bus driver, a doctor, a nurse, whatever world that God's put you in, your job and my job is to work with those people 
to let them know that they belong. Yeah, give the Lord a hand. Uh, that, that, that's, that's our job. That's our call of connecting with the community. Then it's God's job to change them. Uh, look, I've got enough trouble living my own life. I'm not going to try and change yours. I'll tell you what God says, and I'll love you, and I'll let you know that you belong, but it's between you and God in doing the changing. Man, when I first got saved, I thought God needed a hand. I thought, God, here I am. I'm ready. Oh, and God in heaven was going, oh, thank you so much. I don't know what I would have done without you. But over the years... My correction has come, and it's by His grace that I'm here today. Don't you love His grace? Oh, it's good. Good. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We've been set free from all that. Doesn't matter what I look like, doesn't matter what I sound like, God thinks I'm wonderful, and He thinks you're wonderful too. So, oh. So, I'll get to my second point. No, I'm just kidding. Um, As I come along today with my beautiful wife, and I just appreciate Pastor Neil and Joe for uh, allowing me to come and and speak about compassion as well as speak about the Word of God, because to me they're one and the same. Those children overseas, they need the kingdom of God in their world. And... uh, Compassion are a facilitator of that. And uh, I, I just love the fact that they work through the local church because the local church say to those Kenyan kids, those Indonesian kids, those Filipino kids, those Thailand kids, it says, you belong, you're valuable, you're worth something. You might live in a slum, but you are worth something. And this great organization, and I'm not here for promoting the organization because all organizations, that goes for your denomination, even your church is a means to an end. It's not an end in itself. Come on. The end is the kingdom of God. Uh, I, I think at the turn of the 21st century that we moved into a new era. Before that, it was what's called the church era which was about my denomination, my ministry, uh, my call, which are all good things, but there's been a shift, and we've been 16 years into it, and now it's called the kingdom era because there's a preparation for when the king returns to bring his kingdom in its fullness. That's why the preparation is now, and the language, and I hang around with a lot of leaders in uh, church leaders And their language now is more kingdom than I'm a Baptist or I'm a Pentecostal or I'm a Lutheran or I'm an Anglican. No, they're a means to an end. The end is the kingdom of God. God's plan is to bring his kingdom here on earth. And he's using us. Why? I don't know. Because sometimes I think if I was God, I'd do something a lot different. I'd just stick my big face through the clouds and go, boo, and there you go. I'm God. But no, he's chosen to use you and I to bring about the message of reconciliation and that there is something beyond this life. Evolution stinks. Now listen, don't get mad with me. 
but, but you know, there are three big questions in life. Who am I? Why am I here? And where am I going? Evolution says, who am I? You're an accident of the collisions of whatever, and you're an accident. There's no creative genius behind you. You're an accident. Why am I here? No reason. And where am I going? Nowhere. We wonder in a school system that has its foundation based on this why suicide rate, particularly amongst young men, is at its highest it's ever been. The world needs the church to be up off its blessed assurance and be about the kingdom business. Come on, I, I, I don't come to church just for uh, a moment of, uh, you know, a happy clappy time, and I'm, I'm, I'm probably the happiest clappiest person you can meet. Um, but I'm, I've come to understand I'm not here for me, I'm here for the kingdom. And Jesus said, if you seek first, Matthew 6.33, if you seek first the kingdom, and the context of that is seeking the advancement of God's kingdom first, then all the other stuff that you worry about will be added to you. Don't you love the gospel? See, I want to affect, and I'm sure that in this house, you'll preach this to affect, I'm, I'm just wanting to come and, Add to what's already preached in this house. It's kingdom business. As I said earlier, you don't want to be about it, we'll send you to the king. First class. Hey, it's nice there. It is. You, You get the description of it. The streets are paved with gold. Come on, none of this tarmac or concrete. Gold. And it talks about 12 gates that are around the, the, the heavenlies. And it's made of one pearl per gate. Imagine the size of the oyster. <laughs> Come on. I saw, I saw a man versus food this morning, as you do on a Sunday morning. And he ate 180 oysters. I can't believe it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Man versus food program? He ate 180 oysters. He'll do well in heaven. The big oysters. It's time for me to close, I can see. So I just want to encourage you this morning. You are spirit, soul, and body. You are the righteousness of God. Regardless of what you feel like, your faith is not based on what you feel like. If it is, you'll be up and down and all over the place. You cannot rely upon feelings. Now, I don't, I'm not against feelings. Carol says sometimes I don't have many. But I, 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 they're in here somewhere, aren't they, men? Men, we've got feelings somewhere. Um, but our faith cannot be based upon our feelings. It's got to be based upon what God says. And sometimes our feelings will be going like this... But you've got to keep focused on what God says. That's your faith. Father, we just thank you for this time together. And I pray for loved ones here that may be struggling with their own identity. Lord, may there be a clarity that comes from the words that have been spoken to help and to encourage and build. Father, uh, we just lift up the work in this place. 
out into the community, that we want to take a message that people belong, regardless of what they believe, because we know you, Lord, as they come under the influence of your word, that you, by your spirit, will affect people and change people. Lord, I just want to pray for those children overseas and that by your spirit that you would bring a, a real sense for individuals here to be involved. Even though it's just a payment per month, that the involvement can be writing letters and connecting and building a relationship with a little child overseas that thinks in themselves that they have no hope. That God, you are the God of hope. You bring hope. Let us be your vehicles that you have called. We ask in the wonderful name of Yeshua, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for having me.